Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on November 5th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at what happened in South Carolina and elsewhere on Election Day with Professor Scott Huffman. Governor Henry McMaster rebuffs the Biden administration's vaccine mandate and also announced scholarships to get more folks into in-demand jobs. National unemployment rates drop while wages continue to rise. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell discussed wages and inflation as well as supply chain issues this week. And of course, the Pfizer vaccine is now available to those as young as five. DHEC officials tell us how the rollout will work. So we got so much news here, folks. News you need. Stick around. We got it for you. A lot of clips. We also want to hear your news. See what we're doing here? Tell us your clips. Send us a clip. 803-563-7169. You have to include your name, also where you're calling from, and you have to tell us what's going on in your world. Okay? This is These are the requirements, okay? If you're not pledging, all right? I know who's not pledging out there. We know. We have the technology. You got to call and tell us what's going on. These are trade-offs, people. <laughs> yeah, we're already starting our, our naughty and nice list. So you want to be on the nice list, okay? 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 13,841 total deaths, and currently there are 902,329 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of November 5th at 4 p.m. 750,000 Americans have now died from COVID-19 and are part of more than 5 million people worldwide who have died during the pandemic. The U.S. is currently averaging 1,190 total deaths per day, and that's more than the summer 2020 peak. This despite the widespread availability of vaccines. Our current percent positive rate is 5.6%. Right now, 505 people are hospitalized with COVID-19 in the state, 142 are in intensive care, and 94 are on ventilators. So far, 2.37 million, or 55.3% of eligible South Carolinians have been fully vaccinated. DHEC has not added the 436,352 South Carolina children who are in the 5 to 11 age range and are now eligible for the Pfizer vaccine. So when they add them in, that number is going to dip down a little bit. Governor Henry McMaster issued an executive order this week prohibiting his 19 cabinet directors from implementing President Joe Biden's vaccine mandate for employers with more than 100 people, which will be enforced by OSHA when it takes effect January 4th. Here's the governor. We have been stunned at the overreach of the Biden administration. Stunned is is the word. I have never seen a president go out of bounds as much out of bounds of the law as as this one. South Carolina is already part of a lawsuit with the state of Georgia, who is suing the Biden administration over its vaccine mandate for federal contractors. Now, employers who plan on following the mandate or adopting weekly testing for their employees will soon be able to find guidance at scosha.llronline.com. And just an update, the attorney general's office has already filed paperwork to begin court proceedings against the mandate. Moving on, Tuesday was election day. Did you know that? Because I know a lot of you didn't vote out there. Turnout was really, really paltry. It's a fun word to use. Municipal elections took place around the state, and we saw mayors get reelected, like Brenda Bethune in Myrtle Beach and Will Haney in Mount Pleasant. 
Spartanburg City Councilman Jerome Rice won the mayor's race to replace outgoing mayor Junie White. Georgetown elected its first female and first Republican mayor, Carol Jaro, and three other Republicans who were elected to council, helping flip it to a 4-3 to three Republican majority for the first time. The state Republican Party heralded the move. In Columbia, the state's second largest city, city council members Tamika Isaac Devine and Daniel Rickman moved to a runoff for the mayor's office since neither received more than 50% of the vote. Rickman captured 43% of the vote, Devine 30%, and Sam Johnson 24%. Outgoing Mayor Steve Benjamin originally endorsed Johnson, his former chief of staff, but has since thrown his support behind Devine. Just over 19,000 people out of 91,500 registered voters cast ballots on Tuesday. You see what I'm talking about? Paltry. We'll see what happens in the November 16th runoff. I can guarantee you, though, that that turnout number will be lower, sadly. There's also a runoff between Oddity Bustles and Tyler Bailey for the city council at-large seat. But what about all the hubbub around the gubernatorial results in Virginia and New Jersey, as well as some of the down-ballot races in those states? What do they mean for the 2022 midterms? Nothing good if you're a Democrat, says Winthrop University political science professor Scott Huffman, who gave us his analysis on This Week in South Carolina. Well, it's not just the, the loss of McCulloch. There were three statewide offices that the Republicans picked up. Um, and the news is not good for Democrats uh, in Virginia or in the country. Basically, what it showed, a lot of the folks who voted for or Joe Biden were voting to get Donald Trump off their TV screens. Um, the Democratic Party had been looking at Joe Biden running for president since the 80s and saying, yeah, no thanks. Uh, but he was nice and safe and not Donald Trump. And so he got elected. However, then, OK, the pullout from Afghanistan, nothing else is happening. Democrats are in sort of a, a malaise to, to quote Jimmy Carter, ennui, whatever you want to call it. And the uh, Republicans are fired up. Now, Northern Virginia and a little bit on Southside Norfolk are the absolute keys to winning Virginia. You have to have overwhelming turnout there. The rural areas of Virginia are just the not so populated that they generally make a difference unless there's overwhelming turnout. That's what we saw. We saw fired up Republicans about the culture wars, and we saw Democrats with uh, a lack of energy. And then, Scott, we always know it's a difficult year for the party in the White House when it comes to midterms. Is this even more so a wake-up call, a flashing red light for Democrats? Oh, absolutely. you got to remember back when uh, Obama was elected, uh, gee, in the next year, Virginia went Republican. And that year, New Jersey actually also went Republican. The Tea Party they moved too, yeah. Um, they came darn close. And so in those next midterms, we saw a lot of Democrats being swept out of office. So they're going to have to do a lot of organizing. People are going to have to feel that the Democrats at the national level have done something to make their lives better. And they're going to have to energize the base, which at this point is, you know, in a, in a lounge chair with a wet cloth over their head resting. Apparently. <laughs> That's quite the image right there, Scott. But when we talk about, you know, McAuliffe, a former governor there, a party insider, uh, it, the campaign was pretty tricky because he tried to paint Youngkin like this Trump guy. But Yonkin was running a campaign where he really walked a fine line right there. Do you see this becoming a blueprint for Republicans in, in pretty tight uh, swing districts going forward that they've kind of maybe cracked this code where they can be close to Trump in a way that they're not close to him? Well, and, you know, what, one instance may be, you know, an, uh, an exception. 
Biden, but it looks like he did a pretty good job of sounding and acting like Trump, saying absolutely everything to fire up the Trump base, the classic culture war, uh, talking about critical race theory, which has never been taught in an elementary school or high school ever. It's only ever taught in um, uh, law school, and it's not what people think it is anyway, but that fires people up, but not having Trump by his side, so you don't alienate those swing voters. That is a blueprint. You fire up the hardcore Republicans, but you find a way to not put Trump's face in front of the swing voters who voted for Biden. You think we'll see some some movement now because of all this on these infrastructure bills, at least? If, if the Democrats don't light a fire under themselves and their base, then, you know, they deserve every uh, shellacking they're going to get in 2022. <laughs> it better be a wake up call for them. And Republicans are figuring out how to take them out. And they're doing a good job at it. Coming this close in New Jersey, mm-hmm. three statewide offices in Virginia. They, they did an amazing job. Scott, always bringing that fire. You can catch the rest of that interview on YouTube.com slash South Carolina ETV. It's online. We have more news from Governor McMaster this week. He wants to spend the final $17 million of his remaining Governor's Emergency Education Relief dollars to help fund scholarships for in-demand job training at technical colleges. He called upon the General Assembly to allocate an additional $124 million in American Rescue Plan Act money to keep the program going through June 2024, with hopes of getting scholarships for more than 15,000 South Carolinians. Are you thinking about a career change or know someone who needs a jumpstart? Well, it's simple. Any adult or recent high school graduate in South Carolina will be eligible. Scholarship funds may only be used for associate degrees or industry credentials in high-demand careers like manufacturing, healthcare, computer science, and information technology, as well as transportation distribution and logistics or construction. Recipients will be required to maintain a 2.0 GPA and will need to be employed or complete 100 hours of community service or take a financial literacy course offered at a technical college. You may remember a similar measure was taken this summer after the governor announced the end of federal unemployment benefits. So far this year, over 3,000 South Carolinians have been retrained in high-demand careers. By the end of December, approximately 5,000 will be reskilled and employed according to the governor's office. Right now, there are some 107,000 job openings in the state, many in high-demand areas. If you thought I was done with McMaster, you're wrong. You're not. You're wrong. And don't you skip ahead because this is important news too. This is my podcast. The Governor and Department of Employment and Workforce Director Dan Elzey announced that thanks to the legislature's investment of federal CARES Act money into the state's Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund, unemployment insurance tax rates for employers will decrease or remain unchanged next year. So all my small business owners out there, listen up. In 2020, lawmakers sent a total of $836 million in federal money to shore up the trust fund as it was paying out record sums. Between March 2020 and June alone, the state paid out more than $500 million in benefits, essentially halving the trust fund balance. From the start of the pandemic to date, the state has paid out $1.2 billion in benefits, hence the big CARES Act investment last year, which, along with employer tax contributions and interest, helped put the trust fund back into its pre-pandemic level of $1 billion by the end of June 2021. Not too shabby. 
Elsie said in a press conference that unlike 20 other states that had to borrow from the federal government to continue making unemployment benefit payments during the past 18 months, South Carolina didn't. While we spent a lot out of the trust fund, we wound up with $350 million in it, which meant we were not going to have to uh, uh, borrow from the federal government, but it would have meant a rebuild to go from the $350 million back up to the $1.1 something billion that is required. Uh, what saved us from that was the CARES Act money that the governor and the legislature sent toward the trust fund. Uh, and it put us in great shape and it allowed us to avoid a rebuild. And it also allowed us to avoid a tax increase for the 2021 tax year. The agency had that strong balance going into the pandemic thanks to lessons it learned during the Great Recession. That's when the state had to borrow $1 billion from the feds to cover its costs. After that loan was repaid in 2015, a lawmaker's mandated that the trust fund be fully funded to withstand an economic downturn something it did months before the pandemic hit. Now let's keep talking about labor news. Total employment rose by 531,000 in October, and the unemployment rate nationally edged down by 0.2 percentage points to 4.6%, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics on Friday. Job growth was widespread with notable gains in leisure and hospitality, professional and business services, and manufacturing. U.S. Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh said, Getting shots in arms and relief to families has allowed many more Americans to return to work and made our economy more resilient to issues like the Delta variant. Marty was also down on the docks in Charleston this week talking union issues, and we'll have more on Tuesday. The Department of Labor also notes that over the past 12 months, average hourly earnings have increased by 4.9%. In October, Average hourly earnings of private sector production and non-supervisory employees rose by $0.10 to $26.26. Of course, that has essentially matched inflation levels as well. We're still going here, folks, because Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell spoke about inflation and wages following the Federal Open Market Committee meeting this Wednesday, in which the Fed agreed to gradually wind down its $120 billion bond buying program by the middle of next year. But Powell also noted how wage gains we just discussed are basically equivalent to current pandemic-fueled price increases. Give this a listen. Wages have been moving up strongly, very strongly. And in particular, I would point to the uh, Employment Compensation Index uh, reading that we got last Friday. Now, in real terms, it, they've been, they had been running a little bit below inflation, so real, real wages were not really increasing. I think with the ECI reading, it becomes close to, not, maybe not increasing, but cl- close to back, to back to zero in terms of the real increase. So wages moving up, of course, is how standard of living increases over the years for uh, generation upon generation. It's very important, and it's generally a good thing. Uh, you know, the concern is... A somewhat unusual case where if wages, wages were to be rising persistently and materially above uh, inflation and, and productivity gains, that could put downward pressure on margins and cause companies to their employers really to, to raise prices as a result. And you can see yourself, find yourself in, in what we used to call a wage price spiral. We don't have evidence of that yet. Um, productivity has been very high. Uh, the ECI reading is just one reading, so we'll be watching this carefully. But I would say that that at this point we don't see we don't see troubling increases in wages, and and we don't expect those to emerge. But we'll be watching carefully. So wages rising above inflation and productivity gains can put downward pressure on a company's profit margins 
and cause them to raise prices and create a wage price spiral. Oof, we've all been there before, haven't we? Ugh, the worst. Now again, Powell says no evidence of that is happening, and then he also gave remarks on how inflation and supply chain constraints are affecting the economy. Overall inflation is running well above our 2% longer run goal. Supply constraints have been larger and longer lasting than anticipated. Nonetheless, it remains the case that the drivers of higher inflation have been predominantly connected to the dislocations caused by the pandemic, specifically the effects on supply and demand from the shutdown, the uneven reopening, and the ongoing effects of the virus itself. We understand the difficulties that high inflation poses for individuals and families, particularly those with limited means to absorb higher prices for essentials such as food and transportation. Our tools cannot ease supply constraints. Like most forecasters, we continue to believe that our dynamic economy will adjust to the supply and demand imbalances, and that as it does, inflation will decline to levels much closer to our 2% longer run goal. Of course, it is very difficult to predict the persistence of supply constraints or their effects on inflation. Global supply chains are complex. They will return to normal function, but the timing of that is highly uncertain. We are committed to our longer-run goal of 2% inflation and to having longer-term inflation expectations well anchored at this goal. If we were to see signs that the path of inflation, or longer-term inflation expectations, was moving materially and persistently beyond levels consistent with our goal, we would use our tools to preserve price stability. Now on the way out, OPEC Plus. Yes, everyone's favorite cartel of oil-producing countries and their allies. It's not a streaming service. They met this week to declare that they will not boost oil production output, despite calls from the Biden administration that the group is jeopardizing the global recovery as oil creeps over $80 a barrel, bringing back memories of 2014. Again, this is not just one person to blame for gas prices, folks. Not to mention American oil companies are not rushing to increase production because higher oil prices mean higher profits, and this comes as companies are being pushed to invest in renewable resources and move away from fossil fuels. Oh, it's like a wage price spiral. You don't want to be in it. <laughs> All right. We have one section without the governor in this episode, and it's medical. Following the regulatory approvals this week, we saw the CDC give the green light for children aged 5 to 11 to receive the smaller two-dose Pfizer vaccine regimen. In addition, the vaccine was found to be 90.7% effective in preventing COVID-19 in children aged 5 through 11. The vaccine's safety was studied in approximately 3,100 children in the same age group who received the vaccine, and no serious side effects have been detected in the ongoing study, according to the FDA. Assistant State Epidemiologist Dr. Jane Kelly told reporters on Wednesday that the state already has 100,000 doses available to 250 vaccine providers around the state who are able to administer those shots. We encourage parents who have questions to seek valid factual information from their child's pediatrician or from their own doctor. Please don't let social media debates, self-proclaimed experts, unfounded online resources influence this important decision. As I 
and Dr. Traxler and Dr. Bell and others continue to note the sole purpose of the vaccine is to protect human health. In South Carolina to date, there have been 56,464 cases of COVID-19 among children ages 5 through 11. We now have an incredible tool that can help stop that number from going much higher and can protect the health of our children. The Delta variant hit young people very hard, harder than the original strain did, so much that since the Delta variant became predominant, COVID-19 nationally has become the sixth leading cause of death for this age group, according to the CDC. You heard Dr. Kelly say that to date, there have been 56,464 COVID cases in children in our state, aged 5 to 11. Now, Dr. Kelly didn't have specific death numbers, but noted that they have occurred. While children are less likely to develop severe COVID, they can still transmit the virus. Not the gift you or others want this holiday season, I promise you. Now, even if your child has had COVID, they should still get the shot, Dr. Kelly said, just like adults who have had COVID before. As CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky said, stated yesterday, and I quote, the chance that a child will have severe COVID and require hospitalization or develop a long-term complication like Miss C remains low, but still the risk is too high and too devastating to our children and far higher than for many other diseases for which we do routinely vaccinate children. And I think that's a very important point to understand. The illness and death that a child could experience from COVID-19 is statistically higher or more severe than it is for other diseases for which we already routinely vaccinate our children. And on our way out, some more good news. NPR reports that Pfizer says its COVID-19 pill reduced the risk of hospitalization or death by 89% in a clinical trial that tested the drug in adults with the disease who are also in high-risk health groups. The oral medicine is called Paxlovid, and it's similar to Merck's new pill that was approved in the UK Thursday. Pfizer said its drug showed good results when administered within the first five days of the first COVID-19 symptoms. Based on the strength of the trial's results, Pfizer says it will stop enrolling people in more clinical trials for the pill and will instead send the results it has so far to the FDA to seek emergency use authorization. Welcome to the wind down section. Mm-hmm. A little here. break from the news. Yeah, a lot of news. I know that was a lot of news. I'm glad you're here. It took us a lot to get here. Happy weekend. A lot of clips. If you're listening during the week, happy weekday. Insert weekday here. Tuesday. Hey, good job. <laughs> good Wednesday. Job. We appreciate just hit it. Them all. Yeah, just I'm going to say, say every day of the week just in case Actually, you're listening. Actually, no, don't. Just keep moving. We'll do it in post. <laughs> we'll, we'll do, do it that later. We'll do it in post. We'll do it in post. But uh, yeah, what's going on with you guys? We're dying to hear from you. We've got some good messages we're going to listen to in a minute, but we could always use more. Your stories help us tell our stories. <laughs> it's like a good dateline. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dateline. Let's not even talk about dateliner. 48 hours or any of that stuff because we don't need to talk about that right now. But we want to hear from you. 803-563-7169. Name, message, location even though we know mm. all those things because we are a we podcast. have a list yeah <laughs> we have as a- gavin said at the top it's a real naughty nice list <laughs> scenario and uh i mean the the dirty little secret is whether you call or you don't we got a list with your name on it so uh <laughs> yeah, we- 
We know where you live and we know what you watch. I it's the smart I speakers. I wish we had that kind of technology, but we don't yet. But uh, soon. We don't. We, we don't. don't. No, we don't. No, yeah, but well, we got, we're working with Bezos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're in the the metaverse too almost yeah we're in the metaverse i was the first user um yeah my if, brain's been copied by a machine at this point i'm pretty sure that's just easier it's just it's easier. easier it's easier i mean i my physical form might die <laughs> but my brain will live in eternity in the metaverse we've already seen this black mirror episode i mean come on <laughs> anyway <laughs> we'll talk about the metaverse. anyway tell us about your worst dystopian future that you th- could think of Okay, Gavin, let's get to our call today. And I got to stress, we need more calls after this, okay? So don't leave me hanging. Yeah, we're about to be in our own. Don't embarrass me in front of my dad, okay? (laughs) To be in our own dystopian feature. Yeah, no calls. It'll be a mess. I get to talk about whatever I want. A disaster. Um, But anyway, Gavin, uh, all reliable here calling in. So uh, uh, one of my best friends that I've never met. Uh, Here we go. (laughs) What's up, guys? It's your favorite neighborhood Trader Joe checking in. Uh, just got done listening to the story of uh, pregnant women and uh, COVID, and whew, you guys know how to turn heartstrings a little bit. Um, but also, in an earlier part, you were talking about people, as far as workforce alleviation and people, like why people are leaving and why people are quitting. Um, speaking from the point of view that I come from with customer service and retail work, a lot of it also can be contributed to people quitting with no, as far as people quitting with like no backup plan is the stress of the last year and a half and everything from being a a customer facing person to just supply chain interruptions and even just the demands of the companies that we work for sometimes. It, It can drive a person to just want to focus more on like making their mental health a little better and not stressing over work. Um, because in a lot of the times and a lot of the, what I know people get paid, and even in people who have worked for or around me, they just don't think it's worth it anymore. And sometimes I'm in line to agree with them. Uh, it's been a really hard year and a half. So all that to be said, going back to one of the very first things I ever said on leaving you guys messages, which was be nice, you know, uh, be kind, be open to things not going exactly your way because they haven't ever really been going exactly your way, but especially the last year and a half, things are just hard. And um, so it's just a reminder to people to be kind and be nice to the people around them, uh, especially uh, in some sort of customer uh, service situation. Uh, otherwise, I hope you guys are doing good. Power's out up here from a Nor'easter in Massachusetts. So I'm going to go get everybody some coffee for the house. Y'all have a good one. Trader Joe, we love hearing from you and uh, stay safe in that nor'easter situation. Got the coffee. That's what's important. That's all that matters. I drove, I drove yeah. back from New Jersey in that nor'easter. It was yeah. great. Oh, it was yeah. wonderful. Really great. But we do appreciate your insight, especially about life and those jobs, dealing with customers face-to-face. I remember him talking about just those interactions and just people ex- having these expectations in the middle of a pandemic. It's like, y'all... Things are not the same right now. Like, let's just adapt <laughs> no, a little bit. Like you say, no be flexible. No one remembers how to socialize anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. Be nice, be kind, be flexible. It's like, Lord, tap the brakes. It's the holiday season too, right? Aren't you supposed to be even more kinder to people and nicer to people in the holiday season, AT? Yeah, during Toyotathon. Yeah. Oh, my the, God. Oh, now, now it's the chip problems. Oh, the chips. <laughs> Am I going to even have a December to remember? <laughs> They're they're trying to get you not to say December to remember anymore, and I am not going to stand for it. Okay, With my like, father would say it, and his <laughs> father would say it. So, 
but the pre-owned are we still gonna have a um mercedes pre-owned Wait, what are they? they all? They're not going to cancel the Mercedes pre-owned sales event, are they? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> what is the Honda one? Honda Christmas. Honda Happy Honda Days. Oh yeah, well we can still celebrate Honda Days, right? I hope. Oh, they better. Oh, <laughs> you better believe I'm still. Or are they going to uh, outlaw the Honda Days for us? You're gonna, you think you're going to stop me from saying Happy Honda Days? You're Good wrong. Good luck. Good luck. We Good need luck. that list. I wish we had that Good list luck. handy right now. I, I wish I, I wrote that on the wall here. Well, we can still have the Subaru share the love sales event. <laughs> That's how I show. You know, everyone has their love language. There's like people, there's service, there's gifts. Well, I give Subarus, uh, you know? Like, that is that is what you're known for. Yeah. I mean, I've given you a few. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just, yeah. it's a shyer thing. I, I really know? don't need any more. I, I, I told you that last year. I have like three Subarus. <laughs> But you love to share the love, so that's what it is. I love, and it's the only way I know how. So um, <laughs> every other way, I'm an absolute menace to society, and I apologize to the Trader Joe's of the world for how I am. I try to pay at Trader Joe's. You only have so many and they don't want them. They don't want them. So I don't understand. But Gavin, let's get to the topic that I want to talk about here, okay? Okay. I was watching your uh, Instagram story yeah. last weekend, I think it was. Yes. And you were at a wedding, mm-hmm. and something special happened at this wedding, right? Always. Love was shown. Yes. Shining love was bright. shown all about, but also you sort of stole some shine here. <laughs> and explain this to the listeners, what, what I mean here. I, so there are traditions at weddings, you know, and yes. one is is that uh, there's the there's the bouquet the throw. Bouquet but toss, what yeah. So it was, um, like I said, we're down there at Club Creek Club in Mount Pleasant, and, Club you know, it was a great turnout, uh, great time, beautiful wedding, beautiful weather. Everyone was just having a great time, of course. And, you know, it's bouquet toss time. I, I didn't really plan to be on the dance floor at that moment, even though I pretty much live on the dance floor during a wedding. During a wedding, if you, if you know anything Brag. about me, these shoes can't stop. <laughs> well, that goes back to growing up in a town where dancing was outlawed, but I'm not going to get into that Yeah, now. but every rug you see, you cut them, <laughs> yeah, right? Cut, you, cut, cut it. Cut them. Right <laughs> in cut half, it. yeah. Um. But my good friend Daisy, who's the sister of my really good friend Kate Park, she it was her it was her bride. She was the bride. It was her wedding, and I'm like, okay, great. You know, I, I knew a lot of the bridesmaids because I went on the bachelorette trip to Key West in August, which was just a hoot and a holler, good time. Talk about cutting a rug, and so. I, but here I am. I'm standing in the back. I'm not even trying to be a part of this. Okay, minding I'm just, your I'm, business, I'm, I'm minding my business. I'm watching because I love to see this. I love the traditions at weddings. There was no garter toss, but you know, some things are a little outdated, I suppose. So the you know the Daisy turns her back, she throws the bouquet, and it takes like a hard hard right, like it didn't even go straight up. It went like hard right, curveball, curveball, yeah. backwards curveball, going yeah. right towards me, about to fall on the ground. But what do I do? I just stick out my mitt and I catch that. I catch it. I brought my mitt to a wedding. <laughs> And then of course, what I hear is you're just a natural athlete, and, and I, even <laughs> as hard as you tried to stay I out of the way, to. your instincts took over, and you you yeah. you full body saved baby Cleo. Yes, yeah, yeah. Don't let baby so, hit the ground. And then so uh, you know, I caught it immediately. Was not even expecting. You know, I wasn't going to find one for it. But then I I caught it. I just jumped up screaming. Everyone starts screaming. It was just a wild mm, moment. Mm, mm. Uh, very very high intensity moment 
for otherwise, I mean, wonderful day. And I, I, you know, I, I don't like to be the center of attention. Sometimes it just finds no, me. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, like, it's just like your natural ast- instincts. Natural instincts. You know, you're, you're I'm just trying. Athleticism. To... Pure athleticism. <laughs> yeah. Those days of running cross-country I mean, you're, in high you're school un- paid you're, off. You're underselling this because you did jump uh, 10 feet in the air. It was like, very ecstatic. Regulation dunk on a basketball hoop, I'm pretty sure. It's just like holding it and jumping and screaming. Uh, you know, yeah. typical good. Jackson wedding behavior, good for of course. You, yeah, you know what? I'm happy for you. Uh, that ha- that sort of happened to me is with when I first started dating Caitlin, it, <clears> we were 19. We were, it was like 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. And um, maybe two months in, her sister got married. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I it was like the first time I ever met her family was at this wedding. And um, she immediately catches the bouquet mm. and everyone is staring at me very wow, uncomfortably. Wow. And I was like, I barely know this girl. Like <laughs> I wasn't even really invited. I'm here for the shrimp cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a crazy Italian wedding. It was pretty sweet mm-hmm. though. And uh, one of the first times I ever met her dad, he was in line for the, the open bar, mm-hmm. the shrimp cocktail bar. Yes. No, the open bar. And he goes, I'll have a Jack and Malibu. Oh, my and, God. <laughs> and the bartender looked at him. He goes, sir, you know that's two liquors. He goes, uh, really? Whatever. I'll still have it. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh, my God. I've never heard of something like that before. I don't even, you know, I'd love to try different cocktails, but I don't know if I can even Hey, you know what? You try it. But you I will try, say, try now it that tonight. I, now that I think back, I have caught the garter at least twice in my three this decades. Is, this this so. sounds like a, uh, a pattern now. You can't help this yourself. This time I wasn't even, yeah, I was just, you know, you're like my a own scent, business. You're like a scent hound, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like my stepmother, like who knows when women are pregnant. She has this about her. She just knows. I'm like, okay, Colleen. She has the touch. She has the sight. Mm, <laughs> she has she the, the weirding. <laughs> She's a weirding woman. She has a weirding way. Indeed. Watch Dune, people. Watch Dune. Oh, Dune was so good. Dune was so good. Anyway, Gavin, take it out. That's All enough. Right. Have a good weekend, yeah, everyone. Folks. Watch Dune. Call in with your Dune reviews. Yeah, let us Is know what you're watching. Is Gavin the Quizak Hatterack? Who knows? <laughs> I do want to we'll go see. have to wait till part two. I'm planning on going to see French Dispatch this weekend. I've been dying to see it. Wes Anderson. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Looks good. But tell us what you're watching. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us about the bouquets you've caught. Maybe some funny wedding stories. We love a good story. I know you're driving right now. You're thinking back to your wedding, but that one time someone did something clever. 803-563-7169. Pull over and call. Don't do it while you're driving. <laughs> also, guys, thanks for listening to the pod. You can show us your appreciation like Trader Joe did, like he always does, by giving us a voicemail. Or you can give us a review at iTunes. We love those as well. Stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. The border of Georgia and North Carolina. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, those don't touch. (laughs) Those don't touch.